We've been talking for the last few months on uh, the Sermon on the Mount. And if you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. Getting close to wrapping up Matthew chapter 6. And we've been talking about worry. Now, I know I've had y'all stand up a while during worship, but I want y'all to stand back up as we read the Word of God. Let's stand up together and read this along with me. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to its stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Verse 30. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? Verse 32. For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Father, in Jesus' name, we just come under the authority of your word. We come under the authority of your kingdom. And we just give you the right to speak directly into our hearts into our minds, into our spirit, into our soul. Speak directly to us, Holy Spirit, and change us in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. You may be seated. We're continuing. This is a third part of overcoming anxiety. If you feel a little bit behind or you missed a couple of them, go to the website. It's free to download. You can stream it directly from there onto your phone or onto your computer. But we've been talking about overcoming anxiety, but related to money and provision and food and clothing. You know, we've just a few weeks ago been talking about finances and been talking about godly finances in the Sermon on the Mount. And in the beginning of this scripture that we started, verse 25, says, therefore. So he's not starting a new topic. He is continuing in the same context. So we can't just take this scripture out and throw out the rest. We've got to put it all together. Therefore, I say to you, don't worry about your life. Don't worry. Matthew 6, 25, which I just said. Everybody say, therefore. Therefore. you got to ask, what is it there for? You've got to look before. You've got to look at what we've just been studying before. Do not worry about your life. He says, don't worry. And in this passage of Scripture, he says it six times. He says, don't worry. Because worry is one of the major issues or anxiety that destroys our spiritual life and it destroys our natural life too. It destroys our relationships. Fear and anxiety gets into our relationship. And you know what happens when we have that? We talk different. 
we process different. We hear differently. When I've got a spirit of fear or a spirit of worry on me and you say something simple to me, I hear it differently because it's being filtered through something that shouldn't be there. And anxiety hinders our relationships. Doctors will tell you that it is a leading cause of sickness, is worry. Just getting free of anxiety will make a lot of people healthy physically, and it will restore so many relationships. Last time we started looking at four reasons to resist anxiety. Why should we resist anxiety? And here in the scripture, it tells us. We've got four reasons to strengthen us so we don't have to yield to this devastating, life-destroying mindset that is so common to our culture. Last time we looked at reason number one. We are valuable to God. If you can realize how God sees you, it's really what we've sang about all this morning. How he loves us so. Oh, how he loves us. His love never changes. He makes all things work together for our good. These are encouraging words to help drive out worry. Perfect love casts out all fear. So when fear is present, his love is absent. Because when his love is present, fear has to go. So when we've got fear, we're missing something. Right? We've got to be able to put two and two together. Reason number one, you are more valuable to God. More valuable than the birds. More valuable than the flowers. More valuable to all creation. We are valuable to God. We have been given dominion over all creation to help further along the kingdom of God. What, what great favor we have. So reason number one, not to worry, to resist anxiety. You are valuable. You've got to break the mindset of something that maybe your parents have said, something maybe teachers have said, something maybe friends have said. Let me tell you, with teenage kids, kids are saying all kinds of stuff to each other. Adults are saying all kinds of stuff to them. Parents are saying all kinds of stuff to them. And it starts to plant a seed in us to remove us from realizing we are valuable to God. The problem is we buy into it and we accept it. Well, not today. Today we break it. I am valuable to God. Reason number two. This is a big one for me. I'm a pretty systematic person. I'm a very big, uh, why would we do this? What's the advantage? What's the disadvantage? So when worry hits my desk, I start thinking, okay, do I have control over it? What will losing sleep gain me by worrying about this? I'm pretty analytical to start thinking, what's the benefit? Can I ask you something? What's the benefit to worry? Scripture says nothing. It doesn't add any benefit to us. In fact, it works just the opposite. It hurts us. It says in Matthew 6, 27, which of you by worrying can add one cubit to its stature? It's a good high five. You know what? We need some high fives in the church. We need some victory. Somebody's going to get some victory today. 
me tell you, worry's got, it's got its chains wrapped around your neck and ready to strangle you. Well, today those chains are going to come off. It says a, a, a cubit. A cubit's about the span of your hand. Small amount, but the Scripture's saying, can you add this much to your life? My son is dying to be as tall as I am. I mean, he wants it so bad. And to be honest with you, I want it for him too, but I aggravate him. I, I've got, I got a little bit of a back issue in my life, but I, I don't stand real straight. Elizabeth was a, a ballerina and a dancer, and she's all about posture, and my girls are too. And Elizabeth every now and then will just go, for me, she's trying to tell me, stand up straight. So when Pete's measuring or he's standing up next to me, I, I give the, and I grow, I, I add a cubit to my stature. You know, it's already there, I just am not using it. Man, that'll preach. <laughs> Won't it? God's given you a gift. You got to use it. If he's given you arrows to shoot, you got to shoot them. So I do that. And Pete's like, uh. <laughs> but who can add? How can worry? Worry won't add one cubit to your stature. It won't add one day to your life. In fact, it will take them away. Worry will kill you. Jesus is saying you can't make anything happen. You can't make your life longer without the work of God. Now, God has given us scriptures to stand on and to walk through to give us long days. Honor your father and mother that your days may be long upon this land. This is the first commandment with a promise. That tells me that if I will do certain things, God's way, kingdom way, I can add days to my life. I can be promised long life. Who else can do that? Nobody. Nobody. This is uh, worry actually shortens people's life, and this has been medically proven. So many illnesses are linked to worry. And getting free of anxiety sometimes will spare us of many illnesses. Let me encourage you. Take a dose of thanksgiving every day. For a couple years. Just say, thank you, Lord. You're so good that you're in my life and you've given me life. And you've given me what you've given me, my family and those around me. Lord, that you've given me my job. That you've given me. Uh, that, that you're so good to me and what you've been doing and what you're going to do. And your word says, I have a great future. Lord, I thank you that I'm in your hands. You know what will happen? Anxiety and fear will go away. Anxiety and fear will go away. Just in thankfulness. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his courts with praise. In his presence, there is life forevermore. There's light. Why not change your thinking? Why not change your thinking? Why worry is reason number two. For reason number three, we go to Matthew 6, verse 31. Therefore, everybody say, therefore. therefore. Do not worry saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Jesus says, don't worry. In this scripture, how many times? Six times. Six times. 
Don't worry about the essentials, what you eat, what you drink, what you wear. Reason three, because, drum roll, God knows all our needs. He knows your need. Can you, would you say he knows my need? Our number one need is to know that God knows our need. Is to know that God is there. Is to know that he sees us. If we could see that he sees us, a thousand lesser spiritual problems are taken care of. Our biggest problem is that we forget that he's there. You know, a kid out on the playground that's getting bullied every week feels one way until his daddy shows up. And then that fear and anxiety goes away. The problem is when the child thinks the dad's gone and all that fear comes back. Can you see that when we face our challenges with the fear that God's not there, with the fear that this thing's going to overwhelm us, it gets us. But when we start to realize, wait a minute, God is with me. I've got a church body with me. I've got the Holy Spirit with me. Hey, y'all aren't going to get this, but dude, that ain't nothing. That's an inside joke for those that have worked for me at the car wash. We had a guy that just said that all the time. Dude, that ain't nothing. Dude, that ain't nothing. He could always one-up you with something that his brother had done. Dude. Let me tell you, that challenge you're facing, dude, that ain't nothing. You just forgot who your daddy is. Step away from, step away from the whatever. Step, step away from what you're facing. Step away from what you're facing. Get back into the presence of God. Remember who you are. Remember who he is. And step back in. Sign back up and go take on that challenge. I think many of you probably showed up this week thinking you could not make it another day with your spouse until we come in and get the word of God poured into us and we start to realize, I can. I can. Can I encourage you to say, I can. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. God knows my need. We forget that he's in our corner. Worry is losing the awareness that God is there. Our confidence is in our Father's knowledge of our needs. Matthew 6, 8. Your Father knows the things you have need before you even ask. Before you even can get it out of your mouth, he knows what you need. Anxiety is confidence in the wrong things. Anxiety is confidence in the wrong things. Our negative imagination is what we end up with confidence in. Don't let this go over your head. Our negative imagination is what we wind up with our confidence in. Or the words coming from someone else's negative imagination. Many times the negative imagination that I have or that a friend have, when it's absent of the confidence in God, the devil takes advantage of it and spiders it with a demonic, a demonic presence called the spirit of fear. We open the door when our confidence is dropped in God and put in something else. The door opens up and fear comes in. 
The funny thing is, that negative emotion, that negative imagination that you have, most of the time, never happens. It never even happens. What you've done is you've blown something completely out of proportion, or you've completely made it up. How many of you have done that? Something's faced you, and you've done one of two, one of two or three things. One, you take it to the absolute worst case scenario ever. Anybody do that? I have had situations. You're just going to have to go along with me. Elizabeth does this every now and then, and so do I. I'm not just saying it's her, but we're going to use her as an example this morning. <laughs> but we'll just say this showed up, and all of a sudden she puts A and B together and gets C. And I'm like, how did you ever think of that? How could that ever happen? Well, put this together and put this together and put this together and all of a sudden the spider web comes together and it's this big recluse spider. Holy moly. We were just talking about a speck on the ground. We do that. We allow fear to sneak in and take us to the worst case and we literally believe that it's going to happen. Or we just completely make it up. We allow Satan to slip in and just feed us lies. I want you to know it's not just Elizabeth that does it. I do that. I do that. Listen to me, church. My negative imagination or yours or your friends that's talking to you, those demons see that we're disconnected from the confidence in God. He sees our vulnerability and imparts into us a spirit of fear. That will escalate us to the next level. Now you're in trouble. What happens is you talk to people different. You have anxiety. You're meaner. You push harder. You don't listen clearly. You don't hear what's being said to you in truth. You don't speak clearly. You don't understand clearly. You've got smoke in your eyes. You hurt relationships. It hurts your body. It hurts your spiritual life. It hurts your finances. It's bad. Worry and anxiety and fear is bad. It's bad. He's here. He's with you walking into that playground with that bully. He's with you walking into your financial challenges, into your marriage challenges. Let me tell you, God loves marriage. He is for your marriage. He is going to deliver you into a great marriage. Your marriage may be challenging now, but God's ready to rescue you. God is a rescuer. Reason number four. It's the last one. God gives grace for today. God gives grace for today. And Jesus points out the futility of having anxiety about tomorrow's troubles. Chapter 6, verse 34, Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. He's saying that tomorrow... When you get there, that situation, there will be such that it will take care of itself. And if you want to make it negative, you can go tomorrow and make it negative. If you want to make it positive, 
You can go tomorrow and make it positive. Just don't do it today. It'll be there tomorrow. If you want to be a glass half empty and just see that it's just hell you're about to walk through, it'll be there tomorrow. You can do that. Just don't do it today. Your answer, your deliverance, your grace, God's power is going to be there for you tomorrow. Today has enough to deal with. God is saying, be successful today. Don't let tomorrow ruin your today. Don't let your tomorrow ruin your today. Wait until tomorrow to feel about tomorrow. Don't decide today how you're going to feel about tomorrow. Because tomorrow's got its own trouble. God says, I will give you grace for tomorrow. But I'm not giving it for you today for tomorrow. Because if I do, you won't talk to me tomorrow. And I am committed to the relationship. I want to, God is saying, I want to talk to you every day. And I'm here for you every day. Wouldn't it be nice if we could just say, God, will you go ahead and give me the grace and the provision and everything I need today for this whole week? Just leave it at my house, put it in the back of my car so that when I get in the car, I'm good to go. And I got a need, it's there. You know what? I think God's smart enough to say, no, I'll give it to you right when you need it. Why? So that I completely depend and rely upon him. If he gave me a trunk full for a week, I don't think I'd go, go looking for him for a week. And God wants us looking for him every day. You're going to see that in this scripture. We're going to see that in just a moment. God says, I'll give you grace for tomorrow. For tomorrow. He says, I love the dialogue so much that I'm going to withhold grace for tomorrow until tomorrow. And you know, he's not withholding. He's just waiting until you really need it. That is a good father. It's kind of interesting here that Jesus reminds us that tomorrow will have its own trouble. The word trouble here is translated evil. Tomorrow has its own evil. So Jesus wasn't telling us that we wouldn't be troubled by circumstances. He was telling us that our heart didn't have to accept that trouble of that circumstance. Trouble will touch our circumstances and there will be miracles to avoid it. There will be the grace of God to endure it and there will be authority given to change it. So we can avoid it sometimes, we can change it sometimes, and we can endure it sometimes. And he will give us grace to avoid, to change, and to endure. His grace is sufficient for you. I want you to know that what you're walking through, you can get through. God's word tells us that we will not be tempted more than what we can handle. He tells us that his grace is sufficient. When the, when the, uh, when the disciples were out on the boat, Jesus was asleep down in the bottom of the boat. And you remember the storm came. Came on the sea, and the storm got inside the hearts of all the disciples. And they were freaked out. Can I share? Elizabeth doesn't do this often, and I do it myself sometimes too, but we're in the middle of the night. It's probably two or three in the morning, sound asleep. Elizabeth sits up in the bed and just starts shouting, I'm freaking out. 
I'm freaking out. And I'm like, what is it? I'm freaking out. She lays back down and goes back to sleep. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You're freaking out. The disciples went down to Jesus and said, I'm freaking out. I'm freaking out. If you've seen this movie, they're superheroes. They're not going to die. The disciples have Jesus in the boat. And they go down to Jesus and say, I'm freaking out. Don't you know what's happening? And what does Jesus do? He comes up and speaks to the storm and the storm calms down. The storm had gotten in the disciples' heart, and fear came in. But the storm never came into Jesus' heart. And Jesus is saying, that's the life I want for you. There will be storms, but they don't have to penetrate your heart. In fact, I've given you the Word. I've given you the Holy Spirit. I've given you all that you need so that that worry doesn't have to come in. I want you to know, I, I, I know you're going through challenges. But those challenges don't have to come into your heart. Your heart was made for the Spirit of God. When the Spirit of God comes in, everything else goes out. Amen. And as he's talking, I just felt like I wanted to share... Um, I have a, a pastor's wife friend of mine who tells a story about losing her diamond rings and looking in, in the, she searched her whole house for these, her, her gold wedding band and her, her diamonds and couldn't, couldn't find it anywhere. And she ended up uh, going through the trash looking for the rings. And uh, some of you have probably heard me share this before, but her story spoke volumes to me. Um, because while she was digging through the trash, she said the Lord spoke to her and said, don't look for gold in the trash. And um, he pointed her to where her rings were, and they were safe and sound in her laundry room on top of, like, the washer and dryer. She'd let, taken them off. I don't know if she was folding clothes or what. But um, there they were. But, you know, it just keeps coming to me as we're talking about worrying that I think sometimes we, we start trying to look for gold you know, for good things, but we're digging through the trash. And, and you know what I mean by that is when you're trying to reset your mind, which Pastor Paul's talking about, you know, let's not worry, let's not focus on this. But I'm telling you, I'm one of those people who digs through the trash. You know, you hit a hard time, and sometimes it's just real easy to start looking at all that trash. And the devil starts reminding you of those places that aren't good, or those hard times that you've been through, and then you hit this hard time, and it's like, oh, Jesus, here we are again. And, and the devil's bringing up the trash. And you know what? Some of us, we're just sitting there looking through the trash. And I'm telling you, I have the T-shirt for this. I'm telling you this because I've done this. In fact, I started even doing this a little bit this weekend. 
start looking through the trash. Let's just dig through the trash and let's just see what we find. And you know what? When you start looking at the trash, your mind, it's, I call it the downward spiral. It's like, oh, here we go. Here we go. We're sinking. We are sinking in the trash. And so I want to encourage you because God so encourages me to set your mind on good things. And when that temptation to worry comes, stop digging through the trash. And you know what that means? That means that we've got to focus on those testimonies. Remember? Because we overcome by the um, blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And so you know what? We start, we start saying, you know what? I've got hope here because God's delivered me this time. He delivered me then. He's going to deliver me now. I have hope this time because I've been in that hard place and he's brought me through. And so, you know what? That's what we've got to do. We've got to stop digging through the trash. So as you were talking, I just felt like I needed to come up here and tell you, some of you are digging through the trash. And I want to encourage you this morning, when you're looking through the trash, you're just pulling up that yucky stuff. And just take your mind, take your thoughts captive. Take your thoughts captive and remember. Remember the moments where God has delivered you, where he has brought you through, because he's going to do it again. He's going to do it again. He's good. He is so good. Just stay up here with me. What she means by digging through the, through the trash, if you don't get it, I'm sure most of you do. I'm sure all of you do. But <laughs> I'm sitting there thinking, guys, have you ever dug through the trash? I'm, she's, that's not what she's talking about. But someone comes against you, you have a problem in your job, or you have a problem in your life, maybe you have a problem in your marriage, I do something to her, then she starts reliving everything that I've ever done and reliving maybe what her parents had done and this is what they've done. So if that's what he did, then this is what he means and this is where he's going and we're going to go take this to the worst place it could ever be and to eventually stop and say, no. It's what we learned on love and respect. Are you a good-hearted person? Am I a good-hearted person? Did we just take that wrong, or was it just a mistake? And we've got to stop digging through that trash. And it leads us right here to the next scripture. The answer to it is to stop digging through the trash and seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. First, when you go looking, when that attack comes on you, first seek the kingdom of God. What is that? It's his way. Do you know what this scripture is? I believe that this is the epitome. I believe this is the heart of the Sermon on the Mount. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Now, I'm not talking about the gift of righteousness. When you accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, you were given that gift of righteousness. I am the righteousness of Christ. But what he's talking about is that we are now to continue to seek after it, to go after it, and to do righteousness according to God's word. Seek after his kingdom, seek after his way, quit worrying, and seek after God, and the worry will go. But we have to seek. We have a part to seek. Seek righteousness. Seek righteousness. I want to ask you, are you battling worry? Would everybody just bow their heads for just a moment? I'm going to close. Elizabeth, I want you to stay. I probably want you to pray. With nobody looking around, I want you to trust one another and just everybody keep your head down because I know that we battle this. Who is battling worry? Would you raise your hand? Amen. There are hands all over the room. All over the room. You can put your hands down. 
I want you to know that God has not given you a spirit of worry. He has not given you a spirit of fear, but power and love. And he has given you a sound mind. I believe that just in the fact that you were willing to raise your hand, I believe the Lord is getting ready to rescue you. As we lift our hands, as we drown in water and we lift up our hands to someone to rescue us, you know that's what he did with Peter? Peter stepped out and he walked on the water and then he began to sink. I believe it was a spirit of fear. He saw the waves crashing all around him and he lost sight of Jesus. And you know what? When he sank... Jesus saved him. And Jesus wants to save you right now from fear. I want to lead you into repentance. I want to lead you in a prayer of repentance. Would you just for a moment, let's just stop for just a second. And church, if you're willing, everybody do this. Let's just let the Lord know what our sin is that we're battling. Let the Lord know the struggles that we're having. And let's just turn from that. And let's turn and face the Lord. And start walking toward him. Just ask you to forgive us, Lord, for losing focus of you. We know that you see and that you care and that you provide. And if you're struggling with worry and fear, you're not alone. Everyone battles this in one way or the other. But we don't have to yield to it because we're battling it. We don't have to yield to the circumstance because we have the circumstance. Today, as we turn, as we walk through this repentance, we turn. And we're going to have confidence in what God says. Not confidence in our negative imagination. We're going to break our agreement with our negative imagination. And we all have a healthy dose of it. But it takes effort. It takes a conscious decision to denounce it, to defy it. Not just today, but to take these verses and speak them back to the enemy when we have anxiety. When the struggle comes for worry, we say, God cares for the lilies in the field. He cares for me. And he is watching. He is ready to provide for me. He is ready to rescue me. His arm is not too short to reach me. He is there. I you to take a moment and say, I declare war on worry. And Father, I desire to be free from this. I don't want to be driven from a place where my life is hurt relationally and physically and financially and every other way. Father, I want to be free. I break my agreement with worry. And I say, Holy Spirit, yes to your word. Lord, I ask over this congregation for the spirit of grace. I ask for the spirit of grace to come right now and to touch our hearts. And I rebuke the spirit of anxiety. And I rebuke the spirit of fear right now. And Father, I just say, replace that with your grace. And Lord God, right now we just come, Lord, and we're thanking you for what you're doing, Lord. We thank you that you're setting your people free from worry. 
Lord God, and right now we just declare, Lord, that you're on the throne. Lord God, that you are in control. You are in control. Lord God, you are good. You are the righteous judge, and you see it all. And so, Lord God, right now we just say, let your kingdom come and let your will be done in the lives of your people. And Lord God, we can rest in that. We don't have to worry. And we thank you, God, that we can rest in your goodness, God. That you are seated on the throne, Lord. Yes, you are. And you are good. And so right now, Lord God, as we just see you high and lifted up in our lives, Lord God, I just pray, Lord, that you would release peace. Yes. In Jesus' name. Lord God, the peace that surpasses all understanding, Yes, God, that's right. That it would come and guard our hearts and our mind. Thank you, Father. You just pour out peace over your people. Pour out peace, Lord God, in Jesus' name. We just choose peace. We choose the peace of God. Yes, we choose peace. We that's choose right. We choose easy, We speak peace. Peaceful, Lord, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, God. And Father God, now help us, Lord, as we walk this week, that, Lord God, when we're tempted to worry, that we can run right back to your throne and say, God, yes. you're seated on the throne. You're in control, and we're not worrying. Yes, Lord. And we're replacing that worry with peace. Jesus, Prince of Peace, you're good. You're good, God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Would y'all just say, I, I'm, let me say it and you can decide whether you want to say it or not. I command the spirit of fear to leave my body. Will you say that with me? I command the spirit of fear to leave my body. According to your word, Lord, we just say right now that that has to go. And replace it, Lord, with your presence, with your spirit, with your love. Perfect love casts out all fear. Lord, your word tells us that we will have, there will be trouble tomorrow. There will be things that come, but that doesn't have to penetrate our heart. Thank you, Lord. Will you all look up here at me for just a second? I'm going to dismiss you. I'm going to pray over you. But will my prayer team, will you all come on down here with me? We want to pray with you. If you've got a prayer need, we're going to open the altar to that as I dismiss. I want to also personally invite you to please stick around and come out and have some barbecue. Come out and have some homemade ice cream. Come out and play on the, uh, the water toys that we've got out there and the bouncy houses that we've got. We just want to have a good old fellowship together. And also, as I pray, we're going to pray that it doesn't rain until we get done. Amen? God is, is God over the storm, but you know what? It's in His hands. We trust you, God, and if it rains, that's okay. We have restrooms, rest areas you can do that in and, and make yourself comfortable. And you can go on out on the grounds. Um, there's The last that I heard, they were still pulling pork and turkey. So we'll all just gather out there and start playing and pray together and then we'll eat. So we don't need to feel like we need to get in the food line just yet. But we'll, we'll wait for that. Um, and you know the good thing, we don't have to rush to a restaurant. Yeah. Yeah, we don't it's all here. All right, so it's all good. We all stand up with me. Again, if you have prayer for any need, 
If you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, we want to pray with you. If you're battling an illness, you've gotten a bad report, we want to pray with you. If you've lost a job, if you're battling in your job, if you're battling with your children in your marriage, we want to pray with you. God wants to be your provider. Let's let him be your provider today. Father, in Jesus' name, bless this afternoon. Bless our fellowship. We just ask that your Holy Spirit would be here, that you would bless the food, that you would keep all our children safe as we're being fun and wild with all this water and stuff and just enjoying what it is that you've created. Just thank you, Lord, for you are good and your love endures forever. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Let's go eat. God bless you.